Hi, it's Rob West. You know, MoneyWise Media is a biblically-based financial nonprofit organization that, with the Lord's help and guidance, exists to educate, equip, and connect people to meet the growing demands of today's culture. Now, we do this through our national radio programs and podcasts, our money management app, feature-rich website, and other resources. But it costs a lot of money to do all of this. So before we get to the podcast, I wanted to ask you to consider a monthly financial gift to MoneyWise. Please visit MoneyWise.org and click Donate. And thanks in advance for your generous partnership. In the novel Don Quixote, author Miguel de Cervantes writes, By a small sample, we may judge of the whole piece. Hi, I'm Rob West. That, of course, is an early reference to statistics. They're often useful and sometimes just plain scary. I'll talk about some scary statistics concerning identity theft, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. The financial information review site Fortunely recently compiled a list of identity theft stats that should have us all concerned and ready to take steps to guard ourselves against this growing type of fraud. Now, since these stats were drawn from many different sources, some would appear to contradict others, but taken as a whole, they're really eye-opening. So to start with, there's a new victim of identity theft every 14 seconds in the U.S., and this would include include adults and children. Put another way, about 50 million people become victims of this fraud every year. Identity theft costs Americans well over $50 billion a year. This includes IT professionals who've lost their jobs due to data breaches and consumers who are scammed through direct interaction with thieves, like in phishing emails and telephone fraud. The elderly are most likely to become victims of identity theft, and each year the Federal Trade Commission receives well over 2 million related complaints. Now, this next stat is really scary and almost hard to believe. Listen to this. 33% of Americans report they've been the victim of identity theft at least once in their lives. And the U.S. seems to be a world leader in this regard, with numbers higher than other nations like France and Germany. Not surprisingly, credit card fraud is the most likely way you'll be hit by identity theft. It's the most common form of identity theft, with the FTC getting nearly 20,000 complaints a year. Uh, Do you spend a lot of time on social media? Well, users of Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram are 30 to almost 50% more likely to become victims of identity theft than folks who are not active on social media. Thieves have discovered those apps are a goldmine for collecting personal information on individuals to steal their identity. Most often, thieves use stolen identities to apply for government documents and benefits, like with Social Security and filing fraudulent tax returns to get your refund. Uh, The next most common use of stolen identities is credit card fraud, followed by banking and utility fraud. Now, could where you live make you more likely to experience identity theft? Apparently so, according to the FTC, which has received nearly 150,000 complaints from California alone. Next in line is Illinois, then Texas, Florida, and Georgia in that order, rounding out the top five worst states for identity theft. 
your age is another determining factor, with millennials, those 20 to 40 years of age, making up more than a third of victims. Folks 60 to 69 make up a far lower percentage of victims, but their losses tend to be much higher when they're scammed. The fastest-growing demographic for identity theft seems to be children, with over 1.3 million of them becoming victims each year. Half of those are age 6 or younger, and victims are getting younger all the time. The annual price tag for families suffering child identity theft is well over $500 million. So who's stealing children's identities? Well, it's interesting that only 7% of adults know the person who commits this fraud. But in the case of children, that figure is a whopping 60%. That means children are far more likely to have a family member or a family friend, using that term loosely, of course, steal their identity. Here's another scary statistic. Uh, Up to 10% of the annual U.S. health budget is lost to identity theft. That's about 2 million cases a year. Uh, You may be wondering how that works because I was. Well, medical identity theft is when someone steals or uses your personal information like your Social Security or Medicare number to submit fraudulent claims to Medicare and other health issuers without your authorization. And one more stat, well, gift card fraud now amounts to losses around $150 million a year and is trending upward. That's not necessarily identity theft. It's when you're scammed into paying a bill or taxes that you don't owe by using a gift card. So what can you do? Well, don't pay for anything over the phone or click a link in an email you don't know. Get a copy of your credit report and freeze your credit with each of the bureaus. It's free. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org slash give. How should we as Christians think about investing? What if we could invest our money in a way that aligns with what we believe? At Eventide, we believe it is possible to love God and love our neighbor in the very practice of investing. We design investments for performance and a better world so you can invest for the future with a sense of wholeness and purpose. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at investeventide.com. Well, we're so glad to have you back with us today on MoneyWise. I'm Rob West, and we're looking forward to taking your calls and questions. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. Hey, MoneyWise is listener-supported, and this is a great opportunity for me to encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, coming alongside as a partner of our ministry. We can't do what we do here on the radio with our coaches, through the MoneyWise app, on the web, any of it without your generous support. And so if you'd prayerfully consider a one-time gift, perhaps even becoming a monthly partner, we'd be grateful. Here's how you do it. Just head over to our website, moneywise.org, click the Donate button. It's quick and easy. Uh, 
and secure. Again, it's moneywise.org. Click the donate button. All right, all the lines are full with some great questions. So sit back and enjoy. Let's head to Springfield, Missouri. Ed, thanks for your calling, sir. Uh, how can I help? Hey, Rob, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. Um, yes. <laughs> I've, I've, I need some wise counsel. Um, I've been retired for a, a short period of time, and uh, insurance has been provided for me, but uh, soon I'm going to be turning 65, and I can go on Medicare. However, my wife will lose the insurance, and there's uh, I'm needing a feasible strategy to give monthly to the Lord, to our local church, but provide the, kind of the gap insurance uh, as well. And I was just wondering if there's uh, some sort of uh, advice that you could uh, throw my way. Uh, yeah, so essentially what you're looking for is a way to get a tax benefit for the contributions you're making to a church or other ministries? Right, right. And yeah. how, we, you know, we've, we've got a 401k, and wondering if that would be, uh, you know, one a feasible way to, uh, you know, monthly uh, give to the Lord and then use the money that we would be, you know, have in our checking account or whatever to uh, pay for the insurance. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge is you really can't do that out of a 401k. Uh, there really is no way to do that. You just have to take uh, the distribution and then you can make the contributions. And as long as you itemize on your tax return, meaning you get up above uh, the standard deduction, uh, then you would have to, you know, the ability to, to claim that against your adjusted gross income. So married filing jointly, that's 25,900. Uh, the is 80% of folks, you know, don't get above that. And so therefore they take the standard deduction and you wouldn't get the recognition there. Um, once you reach age 70 and a half, you'd have the ability either now or then in, in advance of that to roll the 401k into an IRA, an individual retirement account, which is not a taxable event. It keeps it in the qualified account uh, and then could continue to grow tax deferred. At that point, you'd have the ability to do what's called a qualified charitable distribution uh, out of the IRA. Again, you have to be 70 and a half, but essentially you would be making a contribution directly from your IRA to the charity or ministry, uh, you would not add that amount to your taxable uh, income, to your adjusted gross income, which is nice. They get the full benefit of the amount of the gift. And when you reach age 72 uh, and you have to take a required minimum, that qualified charitable distribution would also satisfy your required minimum distribution. Um, and so if you were looking to take money out of that IRA to live on, as you said, you could just instead transfer that to the ministry and live on the money uh, that's in your checking account as kind of a replacement for that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you really can't do that until 70 and a half, and you'd have to do it out of an IRA. You can't do it out of a 401k. Okay. I was, you know, I, I didn't want to you know, shirk my responsibilities, you know, being a, you know, a believer in Christ to, you know, support our local church or anything like that. I was just wondering, if, you know, we we can <laughs> go ahead and, and take the, the money out, but uh, we wouldn't get the uh, 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 tax relief, I guess, uh, on on the that side of it. It would be after the tax would be paid on it. It would... 
basically. That's right. right. Yeah. So I, I love the fact you're wanting to honor the Lord with your giving. Certainly, we don't want to pay any more tax than we're uh, expected to. But in terms of based on your age and where the money is, uh, you would have to take that money out of the 401k, which would trigger that as a taxable event. That amount of the distribution would be added to your taxable income. Uh, and then you'd turn around, take those after-tax contributions, donate them to a 501c3 ministry, and then whether or not you get a, a benefit to that uh, would be whether or not you itemize on your tax return. And that would mean in order to do that uh, on Schedule A, you would have to get above the standard deduction for 2022 of 25900 for a married couple. Okay. I was just wondering how this was going to, you know, do this, and and uh, it doesn't sound like it, there's any magic that's going to happen. Yeah, gonna, there really isn't. Uh, it would be great if you could just make that gift right out of your 401k at any time as a, you know, and miss the uh, recognizing that distribution as income. Unfortunately, that's not a part of the IRS tax code uh, at this time. So I think uh, just, you know, take your distribution, do your giving as the Lord leads and uh, know that uh, that's uh, something that the Lord will use as you're faithful in your giving. And Ed, we appreciate your call today, sir. God bless you. Uh, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tom, you're next on the program. Go ahead, sir. Oh, it's a beautiful day in Chattanooga. I'm sure it um, is. My, oh, it's great. It's beautiful here. All right. Um, so my question, my question is sure. uh, about a Roth. I'm over 50. My wife is not. I speak to my money advisor. And I understand I'm fifty five hundred. I'm allowed to put into the Roth, where she is at five thousand. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's actually six thousand a year. Uh, but for you, it would be seven thousand, an additional thousand because you're over fifty. Okay, so then that leads me to my next question. So six and seven, that would be thirteen thousand a right. year. So my question is. Do we dip into the savings and put the 13000 all at once come January 1st, or is it uh, just make it into a monthly bill, uh, like a utility bill, and we divide it up? Uh, what is your thought on that? Yeah, and so you're talking about for your 2023 contributions? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I would look at what's going on with the market. I mean, if the market were, you know, if we were at a, a low uh, come January 1st, I might think about going ahead and putting it in all at once, just saying that, listen, we're long-term investors, the market's down 20 or 30 percent, um, and so we're going to just go ahead. If we've recovered to the point where we are now, um, let's say it's sideways between now and the end of the year, or we're higher than we are today, then I'd probably dollar cost average into the market, uh, over, you know, monthly. Um, so I think the the case in my view for going ahead and doing it all at once would be as if we really saw a pretty significant sell off at year end, and you were able to take advantage of that by buying, you know, at at really you know low valuations. All right, so it's a game time decision. 
Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, you can never go wrong with dollar cost averaging because then you're kind of smoothing out your contribution. So you're more closely associated with what the market's doing and you're kind of, you know, uh, using the ebbs and flows to, uh, you know, systematically move into the market. I think the exception to that would be because that's when your window opens. If it just happened to be a time where we had seen a pretty significant sell off, then I think that's the upper, uh, opportunity for you to perhaps do it all at once. Uh, but I love the way you're thinking, planning in advance, Tom. That's a great idea. And uh, hey, you enjoy the beautiful weather up there in Tennessee. Take care, sir. And we'll be back with more calls on MoneyWise. God's Word is packed with life-changing wisdom about your finances. And MoneyWise is here to help you and millions of others learn to be wise stewards, as a nonprofit organization, we rely on help from MoneyWise patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Has God provided financial answers for you through this ministry? If so, please consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron. Visit MoneyWise.org and click Give. For 30 years, Sound Mind Investing has been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including a short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. So glad you're along with us today. This is the program we apply, where we apply God's wisdom to your financial decisions and choices. You know, if you think about our role as stewards, our objective is to be found faithful. That's right. God owns it all. And so as a steward or a manager, we should know the heart of the master that we're serving. And as we manage the master's resources, we attempt to reflect his heart and how we manage it. It all belongs to him anyway. Well, where do we go? Well, his word is how we pull out the principles to apply to how we manage money on a daily basis. Not cherry picking a verse here and a verse there, but really looking at the counsel of scripture to understand the heart of God as it relates to managing his money. Here's what we recognize. Money issues are heart issues. And so as we manage money, we realize that we're working out our values and our priorities. That's right. Uh, the way we handle money is one of the clearest indicators into what we value and ultimately where we're at spiritually. So it's bigger than just the money. And yet, God's Word is very practical as we deal with decisions each day related to holding His money loosely, living with contentment, managing it faithfully, providing, enjoying all the things that we see in Scripture, but doing that with surrender at the forefront— on our knees saying, God, what would you have me to do with your money? How much is enough for my lifestyle? How much is enough for my accumulation? Uh, am I taking my cues from you or the world? Am I caught up in the comparison trap of others? These are all the things I think we need to wrestle with as we manage God's money as stewards of his resources. Well, let's do that together. We have a few lines open, 800-525-7000. Bob in Atchison, Kansas. Bob, go right ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is, um, I'm going to be retiring in, in two months, 
and we will no longer have a, a mortgage or house payment, and we won't we don't have, won't owe anything on vehicles or anything else. And literally, only the only thing we're going to have left is three credit cards. And both my wife and I, our credit scores are over eight hundred. And I, I noticed you were you were saying how well if you have all these things, it, it adds up to give you your credit score. And if we don't have all this anymore, what will that do to our credit score? Yeah. It's a great question, and the answer you can kind of put under the category, no good deed goes unpunished, because yes, your credit score will drop a bit when you pay off your mortgage, uh, because it affects your credit mix, uh, which is the different types of credit you have, uh, a mortgage uh, being one of those. Uh, so that's going to be affected. And then depending upon whether this, uh, the history of that account remains in the credit scoring formula, and that varies depending upon uh, which algorithm is being run, that may or may not affect it as well. But what I would say to you, Bob, is that's going to be a minor hit. It will likely be temporary. Um, but even if it, you know, did cause you to drop down a little bit and you didn't get fully back to where you were, I would say that's a very small price to pay to have the benefit of knowing that your home is paid for. I wouldn't pay a dime of interest uh, that I don't have to simply because I want to keep the very best credit score possible, primarily for two reasons. Number one is at this season of life, you're probably not out looking for a whole lot of new credit, which means you don't really even have to qualify for anything. But even if you were to see this dip below 700, I mean, until you get below 740, even if you did go out and seek a, an additional loan of some kind, you're still qualifying for the very best rates and terms in just about every case with something north of 740. So I, I really wouldn't be concerned about it. I wouldn't look back. I'd just be grateful that you have the opportunity to pay this off and be debt free. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I, we were just kind of concerned that if our credit score goes down, we're like, well, why, why, you know? And I, and I figured from what you were saying that, yeah, it would probably go down, but I just wasn't sure how far it would go down in that. So, and, and no, we're really not going to be looking for any more loans or anything if we don't have to. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, well, thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And I, I think you'll see that any kind of decline will be fairly uh, modest, uh, you know, probably 20, 30, 40 points at the most. Because here's the thing. I mean, you've got, you know, a lifetime of on-time repayments and, you know, demonstrating your ability to manage credit wisely, keeping your balances, you know, paid on time and in full. I mean, all of that is going to lead toward you uh, having a really good credit score, even though it may not be as high as it can be if your credit mix includes all of these active accounts that you had before they got paid off. But again, I wouldn't be concerned about it whatsoever. Thanks for uh, calling today, Bob. God bless you. Uh, let's head to Illinois. Linda, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Hello. Uh, I have a question. Uh, my husband passed away July 13th, and I know that I have to get started on notifying different organizations and everything. But the, my main question right now is I have uh, a $25,000 life insurance policy that obviously I will be getting. And um, I know I can just turn that over into purchasing a CD to add to our investment program, but uh, is there another suggestion? Uh, I don't want to put it somewhere, and then when I do taxes, I'm going to be paying interest on it because I know life insurance comes tax-free. That's right. Okay. And my yeah. financial investor unfortunately, was 
my husband who passed away. So Mm. I'm in between uh, doing a lot of things. I'm just looking for some advice. Yeah. Well, first of all, and I'm so sorry to hear about your husband's uh, passing. Um, Yes, as you put this money to work, you're right. There is no tax due on the life insurance proceeds themselves. Um, But uh, help me understand what you were saying. You want to make sure that you're not generating additional tax based on how you put this to work. You don't want to pay tax on the interest. Well, like if I put it in the bank account. Yes, ma'am. And then I'm going to have to pay interest. That's right. Tax on the interest. I, I'm looking for something that's very conservative, other than just buying a CD. Is there? Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing that we've been talking a lot about lately that I think could make a lot of sense. Uh, have you have you heard me talk about the I bonds, the inflation bonds? No. Okay. Uh, this is a great option. I've just got a few seconds left, so if we don't get through this, I'll you stay on the line. We'll finish off the air. But inflation bonds are issued by the U.S. government, U.S. Treasury, really. Um, they're backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, so there's really almost zero risk. You can only put in up to $10,000 per year per person, but given that rate, now, it will adjust based on the consumer price index come in November. It'll probably come down, but come down slightly. So almost zero risk, but with a great return. I think that would be a great option for you with at least 10000 of this twenty-five. You stay on the line. We'll talk a bit more off the air and finish up there. And we appreciate you checking in with us. God bless you, ma'am. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. We have covered a lot of ground, it seems. And That's always the goal. My thanks to our amazing team today, including Deb Solomon, Amy Rios, Jim Henry, and Gabby T. I'm Rob West. I'll be back again next time and hope you will too for the next edition of Money Wise. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you.